Welcome in to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Evan Ronda, and once again, I am joined by the fabulous, the wonderful Joey the Tooth. Joey, today, sir, how are you doing? I am fantastic. How are you doing, sir? It is great to hear. I'm also fantastic. What a coincidence. It's like <laughs> we're excited to talk about something today. What might that something be, oh, listeners? We have a new and improved, yes, a new and improved preview show 2.0, if you will. We are going to cover a lot more, a lot more in depth. And, oh boy, we have some fun topics and some fun players to discuss on today's show. So let's jump right into it. Joey, I'm going to have you start off with your first defensive line top start. You've got a guy picked out here that you expect some wonderful things from this week. Why don't you go ahead and talk about him? All right. Uh, I'm I'm going with uh, Max Crosby of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I know he doesn't have quite the sack numbers that you would hope, but he's actually the second highest graded uh, pass edge rusher in the NFL right now per PFF with a 91.6 pass rush grade behind only, uh, I think it was Miles Garrett. So Max Crosby, he's mm-hmm. doing a great job off the edge. He's just not quite getting there, but we've all seen with, I think it was two weeks ago, he had the huge week where he had two or three sacks. So he has the potential for a blow up week. Uh, he's coming off of a bye, so he's had time to prepare, time to relax, time to rest a little bit. Uh, we're another week past the whole John Gruden distraction. So that's kind of, that's leaving the whole locker room deal. I think once with that farther gone, there'll be more cohesiveness in the locker room. Uh, they take on the Giants, who the offensive line has looked much better this year than you'd think. It's actually right in the middle of the road. Uh, they've given up the 15th most sacks in the NFL. But there's still multiple times throughout the game. You can see Daniel Jones. He's shown some improvement, but he has incredibly poor pocket presence. And I still don't I don't think Barkley's out again this week. So as good as Booker's been, you still have a weaker run game than normal. The passing game's just so up and down with injuries all over the place. So I think this is another this is a nice game for Max Crosby to really shine. I am a huge fan of this call. I'll explain why for our listeners. So for the first time I'm I'm making my own calls on the show this week. And as I was doing research for my top start on the defensive line, I uh, was checking out the offensive line, defensive line matchup grades. And the Raiders have the highest, what is it? I think it's pass protection advantage grade in the entire league this week. So I had to settle for the second best offensive line to defensive line advantage with the Steelers uh, playing against the Bears this week. I have decided to uh, call Alex Highsmith their defensive end or outside linebacker my Wonderful Alex Highsmith, my IDP flag plant at the beginning of the year. He is slowly but surely trudging along to that 10-sack total I was really hoping he'd get. But I think his opportunities are bound to improve now that Melvin Ingram has left for the Chiefs. And because of his absence, Ingram's absence, Highsmith has seen nearly 100% of snaps over the past two games. So he does not really have anybody on the depth chart to challenge him for a rotation now. So I'm expecting him to be a locked and loaded starter for just about every single snap from here on out. 
And as I was saying earlier, the Steelers defensive line has a really, really advantageous matchup against the Bears this week with Chicago's offensive line receiving a negative 39% pass block advantage and a 0% run block advantage against the Steelers. And those are some of the worst in the entire league this week. That is not and a while Chicago has a pretty average... Say that one more time. I'm sorry. That's, a, that's not a recipe for success. <laughs> no. Somebody should have told Justin Fields that, poor guy. Oh. I yeah, That's another story entirely. Man, I could go on forever about how much Justin Fields has let me down this year. But back to that offensive line, defensive line matchup. They... Chicago's offensive line, they they have a pretty average pressure rate allowed. So as far as letting players through, it's been about middle of the pack. But their sack conversion rate is the highest in the league, and it's not very close. It's 23% of their pressures have been turned into sacks. Yikes. Second place is 19% with Denver. So it's it is an insane, insanely high conversion rate. So yeah, that's if you good. factor that in combined with the Steelers third highest pressure rate in the league at 32% with the second highest conversion rate in the league at 18%. That all comes together into a wonderful Justin Fields sandwich with TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith on either side of him. So poor guy is probably going to get smushed a bit this coming week and you can benefit for that in fantasy. If you uh, start Alex Highsmith, let's go ahead and move on to the linebacker position. Joey, let's uh, let's talk about your next call here at linebacker. All right, uh, one of my favorite uh, breakout candidates I had earlier this year, Logan Wilson. Uh, he's really taken the reins of uh, the middle of this defense, and he's run with it. Uh, he's eighth in the league in total tackles with 72. Uh, to go with it, he has four passes defended, but also four interceptions. So last season, he showed a little bit of playmaking chops and his limited snap opportunity. This year, he's really showing that he can be a real force. Uh, they play the Browns, who are run-heavy. Uh, they've their top 10 in points allowed to linebackers. Uh, the Browns also target tight ends and running backs often. They rank 29th in the league in wide receiver target share. And most of that goes to Jarvis Landry, which was more, mostly underneath targets. So there's a good opportunity for Logan Wilson to get out in coverage a little bit, be a little disruptive in the middle of the field and still be able to pin down on Nick Chubb in the run game. So I, I, I'm going Logan Wilson is my top start at linebacker this week. Yeah. And now that Baker doesn't have to feel like he has to miss Odell deep, he can probably be more confident throwing those shorter passes. Yeah, definitely. Um, my linebacker call of the week is Ernest Jones, the rookie linebacker for the LA Rams. It is Ernest Jones season, baby. I am so excited. Maybe a little too excited. I'll have to temper <laughs> my expectations, but I'm very excited and I do have data to back it up. So, you know, maybe, maybe I have reason to be as excited as I am. EJ had his breakout game last week in week eight. He had seven tackles on 88% of the Rams defensive snaps. Now this week they play the Titans and their offense has allowed the highest percentage of linebacker tackles per snap in the entire league at 21.6%. Now, the league average is 18.1%. And those numbers that I'm throwing out are the spreadsheets that I shared on Twitter a while back. I'll share them again right after I upload this episode. But basically what I did is I tracked every single linebackers on every single team's performance every single week. So I know how many points 
or how many tackles every linebacker on every team has scored against every offense. And I've kind of calculated that over the course of the season to see how consistent it is, which offenses Joey's over here bowing down. <laughs> That's uh, some serious, calculated serious data the, right there. Uh, it, yeah. And I, I hope it's helpful. I hope I didn't just do this for the two people that actually use it, man. You guys, I'm doing the most for you. It's, I'm hoping that it's a predictive stat because I believe tackles are a good show of intent. I don't necessarily think that fumbles and interceptions are a predictive statistic. I think they're a little more luck-based. But as far as IDP being a game of who gets to the ball first, I think there's a little bit showing who's the best at getting to the ball first and also who gets to the ball first depending on which offense they're playing. And given that, the Titans offense is really, really good at allowing tackles to the linebacker position per snap, which is nice because you can't necessarily predict how many snaps the defense will play, but I'm hoping that we can predict what will happen given however many snaps happen. So because of that, they also have the second highest percentage of linebacker tackles per team tackle allowed in the league at 31.3%, which is much higher than the league average of 27.2%. And what that stat is saying is basically for every tackle that the defense makes, that's the percent that is made by a linebacker. So again, top of the league in both of those two statistics. And I trust these specific metrics about how the Titans are allowing their defenses to make tackles because they have a higher tackle per snap average than the league. So for every time that they have an offensive snap, it ends in a tackle more often than the league average, which means this statistic is a little stickier than usual and has a lower coefficient of variation, which means from a week-to-week -week basis, it doesn't fluctuate as much as it might for another offense or another team. So given all that, Ernest Jones, he's going to eat against this offense. Plus, I don't think Mike Rabel, I know Derrick Henry's out now, but I don't think Mike Rabel's the type of coach that's just going to change his game plan. He went and got Peterson. He's still going to run out McNichols. So I, I really don't see him changing his game plan just because Henry's gone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the recent coaches quotes back that statement up. Yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to the defensive back position. Who do you have called out here for your top start of the week there? Uh, Kyle Duggar with the New England Patriots. He's been kind of on a tear recently. Uh, he has 30 tackles and run defense, which is the most of any safety in the league. Uh, the Patriots have quite the porous linebacker unit. I mean, it's it's Juwan Bentley and Dante Hightower pretty much in the middle of that unit. So it's, it's not impressive by any means. So because of that, Kyle Duggar has played the third most box snaps of any safety so far this season. Uh, they play the Panthers, who will likely... There's a very good possibility McCaffrey's going to play it this week. So that means he's going to be involved quite heavily. So it's going to be a dose of Kyle Duggar coming up in the box, trying to make plays in the passing game out of the backfield and in the run game. So with Sam Darnold struggling, I see them leaning heavily on the run game. So Duggar might sit in that box for pretty much most of the game. So Kyle Duggar with some serious tackle opportunity this week. So he's, he's my top start. I love it. Yeah. He's just going to be eating up all those tackles. My line, or sorry, my defensive back call of the week. I have the Honey Badger himself, Tyron Matthew of the Chiefs, and uh, I, 
while he watches Daniel Sorensen blow coverage, I do expect him to get some tackles and turnover opportunities in the meantime. And uh, some nice things about Tyron Matthew is he is a 100% snap guy. He will see every single snap of the game, guaranteed, unless he gets injured. Knock on wood. Um, but the nice thing about all those snaps is he sees 62% of them in the sweet spot. So that means on the defensive line, in the box, or in the slot, which is what you want to see from your safeties. The Packers, on the other hand, will be starting Jordan Love. This entire start is really just a bet against Jordan Love. <laughs> I know earlier I said turnovers aren't necessarily predictive, but if they were, this would be the time that they would be. And here's why, because in his seven attempts versus the Saints this season, he had a turnover-worthy play percentage of 12.5%. Yes, I do understand that is one turnover-worthy play in a small sample size of seven attempts, but I have to believe that he'll be a relatively low average depth of target guy creating tackle and pass defense opportunities for the safety that plays closer to the line of scrimmage. And in the event that the Packers fall behind, I also have to assume that this means more time in the pocket for deep balls, which should translate to sack opportunities or high-risk throws leading to turnovers. But either way, starting Tyron Matthew versus a rookie in his first game seems like a good idea. Yeah, and I think it would be very smart for the Chiefs to start blitzing a little more with uh, with the Honey Badger. He's shown so good in his career to be a, such a fantastic blitzer. His timing's fantastic. He's quick into the backfield. And they their pass rush has been a little weaker this year, so I think it would be smarter than just to maybe tool around with a little bit more blitzing maybe from the defensive backs. Yeah, I would I would I would like that a lot for sure, yeah. definitely. <laughs> um our next segment here, we have sits. And Sitting players in fantasy football is always a relative term. It depends on the depth of your league. It depends on your alternative options and who's available on the waiver wire. But with these sits, we essentially want you, the listener, to hear this as we are lower than the market on these players because of these reasons. So given that, let's go ahead and start off, Joey, with your first defensive line pick. All right. Uh, Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars. With that said, he's actually one of my he was my favorite by low player this year. I think he's he was a huge by low with how poorly he well, not even how poorly, how poorly his stats showed last year. He still actually played quite well. He was his pressure rate was just as high as the year previous. He was just beat up all year and didn't finish his plays. Um, so he was a big buy for me this this offseason, and he has played very well this season. Unfortunately, he plays the Bills, and the Bills have given up the least amount of sacks all season with seven so far. Uh, the, Josh Allen, just he neutralizes any bit of pass rush with his mobility. He's got good pocket awareness, and he he knows how to roll and scramble when he needs to. And the dude just got a powerful arm, and he's hard to take down. So uh, as much as the Jaguars defense will be on the field, I don't think Allen's going to have enough pass rush opportunity because they're going to be behind so much. I could see the Bills leaning more on the run this game. A lot of Zach Moss and uh, maybe some Devin Singletary. But yeah, Josh Allen's going to be uh, most likely riding the bench for me this week. Mm -hmm. It's a tough one. I know he's had some nice games recently, and it's tough to want to sit guys. But when you got to sit him, you got to sit him. My defensive line pick this week is everyone on the Atlanta Falcons. Just every defensive line player for the Falcons 
Look, okay, I have to preface this with saying I don't know if you're even rostering one from the Atlanta Falcons. So this especially goes out to you, special, special few, who are <laughs> rostering one from the Atlanta Falcons. This is a terrible matchup for them. A terrible matchup. And here's why. The Saints have a 36% pass block advantage versus the Falcons, which is the highest in the entire league this week. And they also have a 41% run block advantage. Now, you might have been started or tempted to start them because of their quarterback troubles. And I understand wanting to stick to a narrative that allows you to trust your players. But judging by the pressure rate created by the Falcons and the pressure rate allowed by the Saints, I have a hard time believing the quarterback will play much of a factor. I don't even know if they're going to get to him. No. The Falcons have the lowest pressure rate in the entire league at 24%. And the Saints have the fourth best pressure rate allowed at 24%. <laughs> as far as converting those sacks, the Falcons have the third worst 11% snack conversion rate. And the Saints have a better than average conversion rate allowed of also 11%. So really the numbers just say this is not the time to pull out that maybe a Grady Jarrett or some defensive lineman. Mm -hmm. Just don't don't deal with it right now. Take your shot on somebody else. Who do you do you have in front of you who who's lower than the Falcons in conversion rate? Who are the other two teams? Um, I'm just I can I'm pull just it curious. up. Go ahead and talk about curious. your linebacker pick, and when you finish that, I'll let you know what it is. All right, all right. So my my linebacker sit this week is Kenny Young and the Denver Broncos. So he's coming over to a new team. I know the Broncos traded for him, but I'm pretty sure they just traded for depth. So. I think most people were surprised that Kenny Young was the guy that won the starting job to start the season because he was incredibly unimpressive in Baltimore. He was unimpressive his, his short stint in with the Rams. And to see him beat out Troy Reader, who actually was quite productive last year, and Micah Kaiser was pretty surprising to me. So, um, But as this, this season rolled on, you could see that that early season production was more or less of a mirage, and the, the team did as well. So the Rams actually... He started losing snaps to Troy Reader, and then they wanted to get the rookie Ernest Jones involved, so they decided to ship him over to the Broncos. So the Broncos lost A.J. Johnson and Josie Jewell, so Kenny Young should come right in and play, right? Not so much. So they still have last year's rookie, uh, Justin Sternod, who's been starting since Jewell went out. And now they have this year's rookie, Baron Browning, who played some last week, and I believe those two are going to be the starters moving forward. And Kenny Young's just going to be the guy that's going to come in and, and spell them if need be. So the Broncos are kind of in a a weird spot right now with the team. So their record isn't horrible. Uh, they still have the potential to possibly make a playoff run, depending on how the team comes together. But I think at this point in the season, with their quarterback situation and everything, they need to play some of these young guys just to see what they have. So Browning and Sternot are probably going to get a lot of runs. So Kenny Young's most likely going to be relegated to the bench, maybe a short depth roll of 30% snap share somewhere around in there, most likely. So if you had Kenny young and you were hoping that the trade to the Broncos would, would boost his value, I wouldn't be so sure. I think he's actually just going to be a reserve role. Yeah. The reason I like this call is because even if Kenny young has a good game, it won't be, or at least it likely won't be because some unpredictable reason, right? So if somebody has a good game on a low snap percentage, it's like, oh, shoot, you missed it. 
But if Kenny Young has a good game and you can check his snaps and see, okay, looks like he actually did earn that starting role, you didn't really miss out on anything. You just now have an asset that's accrued in value. So just because you might want to sit him this week doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't have the potential to grow. We just want to see that clarity kind of build up a little bit more first. Yes, sir. As for what you were asking about earlier with that snap snap conversion rate allowed. So I have them, I wrote third. That's not totally accurate because there are two teams tied for first and there are four teams tied for second with 9% and then 10%. But the two teams that have a 9% snap, or sorry, sack conversion rate are Houston and Minnesota. And then the four teams that have a 10% um, sack conversion rate are the Saints, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Man, I'm surprised. So I honestly your, was your... surprised to see that many teams behind the Falcons because I just that pass rush has just been non-existent. Mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> all six of those teams do have a significantly higher pressure rate than the Falcons, though. So that yeah. might also take into account just the fact that they're getting there more often means that that percentage is probably more likely to dip, just because there's only so many sacks that can go around. Right. So one sack for the Falcons probably boosts their conversion rate a little bit more than one sack for any of those other six teams. Yep. Nice. Um, Let's go ahead and jump on to my linebacker sit of the week. I have Kaiser white as my sit for a couple reasons. And first and foremost, Kenneth Murray looks like he might be back. I haven't checked recently as of today, but I did read earlier that he was, I think, either potentially designated to return from IR or he was practicing. I might be getting him and Drake Greenlaw mixed up. Sorry, fantasy teams. I'm a little biased here and I'm missing my guys. But either way, the, the funny thing about this is it doesn't entirely matter. So first of all, if Kenneth Murray is back and you Kaiser White managers definitely need to check on that. If Kenneth Murray is back, that's reason enough for me to want to sit him because I would expect his snap percentages to go down but either way the data suggests this is a bad linebacker matchup so allow me to share some more of that data from my spreadsheet for you right here the eagles which is the offense that they're facing this week have allowed the lowest percentage of linebacker tackles per snap rate and the lowest linebacker tackle per team tackle rate in the league they are last in both of those statistics They're 15% in that first one, where the league average is about 18. And they have 23.3% in the second one, where the league average is about 27%. So they are way below league average in both of those statistics. They also have a below average percentage of tackles per snap rate allowed, which means more players will have to score their IDP points elsewhere because of the way that the Eagles have played their offense so far this season those points are just being scored in other ways. So this data does have a higher than average coefficient of variation, which means it does tend to vary more than usual. So if you're looking for a lower percentile range of outcome and can't afford to bench white in the event that Murray doesn't return, there is room to budge. And what I'm, what I mean when I say lower percentile range of outcome is right. There are so many different possibilities of outcomes that can occur on a week to week basis because football is a really high variant sport. So many different things can happen. And there's a different likelihood of different things happening. 
Like, yeah, maybe there's a sliver percent chance that, you know, he gets five pick sixes and scores you a thousand fantasy points. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. But like I said, if you are looking for more of a miracle, a lower percentile range of outcome, it, it, it's possible that he gets really efficient with some tackles. However, if Murray returns, I have to assume that White takes a hit to a snap percentage. Also, Murray has graded poorly in coverage so far. So if the Eagles tend to give more points up in the passing game, there's a reason to believe Murray may have a, a, a you know weak first week back as well. Yep, and uh, I did Let's just go look. ahead and move on. Oh, yeah. I was, I was just going to say, I was just looking into the Murray situation, and he did come back to practice on Wednesday, and uh, he's designated to return, but it's not official for this week yet. Okay, there we go. So definitely keep an eye on that, managers of Kaiser White. Let's go ahead and move on to your defensive back sit of the week. All right, I'm going with uh, Darnell Savage of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I know a lot of people seem to be quite high on Savage, but uh, I never really have been. He's more of a free safety type slot safety, like that kind of hybrid role there, but not not in a good way. There's, like Tyron Matthew, he's a guy that does that, but he does it very well. Savage does not because he's not great in coverage. Uh, he's a little over-aggressive. Matthew can be over-aggressive because he makes better breaks on the ball. Savage, he's over-aggressive, but he's either late or he jumps too early, and then he gets beat with a double move. There's There were so many times last season he got beat with double moves. So he's and not only is he just not making the play, he's missing out completely on it by getting beat. Um, he's having a really, really down year, especially in comparison to last year. If you go all the way across the board, he's on pace to finish with less than half of last season's output in every single category. Interceptions, passes defended, tackles. So it, it's just, it doesn't look great for him this season. And uh, they take on the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have actually given up. So this is in, in comparison to most of the leagues I play. It's a, it's kind of a, a high-scoring, high-pass defense, like scores three three points per pass defense. Uh, four points or five points per interception, five points per sack. So that type of league, the Chiefs give up the third least amount of points to fantasy safety. So putting that all together, third least points, poor season so far. I just don't see Savage having a good week this week. I like it. I, I wish I could remember which podcast specifically. There are so many different random podcasts I'll listen to. It's probably like the PFF you know, football podcasts where the hosts talk about remembering players because they color their hair. And it's like, wow, that's like a really annoying way. But, you know, <laughs> people just happen to remember these guys because they have colorful hair. <laughs> this is this is another example. Darnell Savage. People remember him because his last name is Savage. There's that Savage guy. I remember him because his last name is Savage. And as as clingy as we might be to people with cool names, I, I think uh, the data you've just shared here would be a great reason to uh, maybe consider him to be a little less savage this week. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and move on to Minka Fitzpatrick. My guy, Minka from the Steelers. Ah, I, I love Minka. I have a funny story. I think I told on one of my first episodes with the guys about how one of my league mates drafted him as like the third defensive back overall. And after he listened to the episode, he got really angry at me because I called him out on the show and then promptly traded Minka away because he realized I was right. Well, first of all, 
Here's why. Because he's the Steelers' free safety. He's the one that is away from the line of scrimmage. And generally speaking, we want to avoid starting the deep safety of a team, especially ones that play a very low percentage of their snaps in our sweet spot, as we've determined. Now, it's also tough because I think a lot of us IDP managers just are big fans of these big names like Minka Fitzpatrick. It's Minka. We love Minka. But unfortunately, we have to kind of get past that, just as we have for the offensive players, knowing that their name and popularity does not necessarily translate to fantasy output. And here's why. Because 74% of Minka's snaps this season have been at deep safety. That is a lot of deep safety snaps. And on top of that, they play the Bears. The Bears, who have allowed the third least amount of points to safety this season. So it's not a ton, but it's enough to let you know, Minka, this week, you should probably expect poorer production than typical. Yeah, Minka's he's one of those guys who's a fantastic real-life football player, but for fantasy purposes, he's not so great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's move on to our sleepers. Now, sleepers, I, I feel like this term is used so much in the fantasy industry, and it's, you know, everybody has a different way of looking at what a sleeper is. For us, we really just looked at players that either are not necessarily set it and forget it locked in guys for your typical IDP league that you might consider putting into your lineup if you have the ability to do so. And so given that, let's go ahead and start this off with your first defensive line pick here. Yeah, some of these guys I like to go super deep. I like to go to the like my 16-team leagues, the 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 53 man roster leagues. And I try to check to see who's on waivers sometimes just to see if there's anybody who can possibly, you could just grab off of waivers out of the blue that have a big week. Just it's kind of fun sometimes. And the one I picked out this week was for my defensive line. And it was Demarcus Walker of the Houston Texans. Uh, He, this season so far, he's played just under 41% of the team snaps across the line. Uh, He's already tied a career high in QB hits and with five this season. Um, the Texans just traded Charles Amenahu to the 49ers, which vacates an on average 36 snaps per game. So Walker could potentially soak up a percentage of those snaps. I'm not going to say he's going to take all of them, but he could soak up a good percentage. Um, Walker's a pretty young guy still, and he played well during his time in Denver, but the Denver line was just so stacked with Von Miller, Malik Reed, uh, Nick, uh, not Nick Chubb, um, Bradley Chubb, um, Draymond Jones, that they, they didn't really need to sign Walker this offseason. So he went and signed with the Texans, and he's actually played quite well. So I, I think they could give him a little run, see what they have in this kind of lost season, give him some extra extra playing time, see if he can get to the quarterback a little more. He only has one sack this year, but his QB hits and his pressure rate's a little higher than, than you would think. And... I, I think this week would be the week you might be able to see him get to the quarterback. I mean, the Dolphins have given up 19 sacks, which is 12th most in the NFL. Tua still seems a little shaky. He's starting to look a little better. His his confidence level starting to jump up a little bit, but he just lost another target with Devontae Parker having a setback with his hamstring. So he's he's still his his receiving group is not great. So he might have to spend a little bit more time in the pocket waiting for his his receivers to get open. So Walker has a opportunity to give you 
a nice game this week. I'm not going to say a blow-up game, but somebody, if you need a streaming option and you're facing a lot of buys on your defensive line, Walker could be a guy you could play for a week and stream. I like this. I just pulled it up right here. Miami has a negative 24% pass block advantage versus the Houston defensive line, which is the sixth worst, the sixth worst in the league this week. So just because he might not necessarily have been, you know, destroying teams so far this season doesn't necessarily mean he won't this week. And I, I love this call here. The data tends to suggest that this is the week he could very well have a blow up game. I'm going to go ahead and talk about my defensive line sleeper. Definitely not as deep of a play. He is probably rostered in a typical league, but may or may not be on your bench. And I have Aziz Ojolari, the rookie from the New York Giants. Now, they play the Raiders this week. And the Raiders have the second worst run block advantage in the league at 11%. They also have a negative 4% pass block advantage. So they've allowed the second highest pressure rate in the league. That's 29%. Over the past few weeks, Ojolari has a pretty decent PFF grade, and he's been getting a highly favorable percentage of snaps in the rotation. Over the course of the season, Ojolari also has 19 pressures for six sacks. Now that calculates out to a pressure to sack conversion rate of over 31%. Now 31%, that's probably pretty unsustainable and probably bound to regress, but even a regressed rate would still be worthwhile against that Vegas offensive line. And that's the offensive line, not the betting line. <laughs> yeah. Let's I like go ahead and uh, definitely. I think that's a great call. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hoping he continues to score more and more points. I, I need him for my leagues. Yeah, Let's I've go ahead and, and talk about this linebacker here. All right. Uh, Say that again. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I have Aziz, I have Aziz Ojolari rostered in many leagues. He was, I had him rated as my top pass rusher coming out of this draft, this past draft. There you go. In hindsight, that's looking like a really good call. Yeah, it's looking great this year. Uh, but going to linebackers, uh, this one's kind of a, it, it's still pretty deep. It's, it's kind of one of those, we're in the middle of bye weeks and maybe you have three of your linebackers on a bye and you need somebody just to throw in for a week again. Uh, Mac Wilson of the Cleveland Browns. So he kind of had a very great start to his career. I, he started 14 of 16 games his rookie season. He had 82 tackles and I believe seven passes defended and uh, interception. Uh, unfortunately, from that, that year on, he kind of tailed off and he had a fall from grace. Uh, he started two games the next year, only played in 13. He ended the season, I think, with 37 tackles. Uh, and it hasn't gotten better since. They went and they drafted Jeremiah Wusukoromora, who unfortunately got injured. They drafted Jacob Phillips, who unfortunately got injured. So two of the three starters for the Browns are now on IR, which could lead for some more opportunity for Mac Wilson. Uh, Anthony Walker, this this year's uh, free agent signing seems to be a heck of a signing. Now he's he's your every down snap guy. Uh, then it, it's kind of split fifty fifty between Mac Wilson and uh, and Malcolm Smith. Both had great games last week. I think Malcolm Smith had ten tackles. Mac Wilson, I believe he had seven tackles last game. But uh, 
he's still not seeing a high snap percentage. Mac Wilson, he tied a season high last week with 41%. So he did see his, his highest total last week. Um, his past two games, he's had 13 tackles. So that he's, he's being very efficient with his tackles. And, uh, and there's been four games where he's played 34% of snaps or more in those games. Even though it's such a low snap percentage, he's made at least five tackles or more. So he's incredibly efficient when he's on the field. The linebacker group is incredibly depleted. And I just think Mac Wilson, if you need a guy to give you five, six tackles this week, he could easily do that for you. I like this. I like this call a lot. I think a low snap percentage in some instances can give people false hope, but in other instances, it can kind of scare people off. And I don't think that people should be too scared of a low snap percentage in a matchup that looks to be profitable for that linebacker. And I think this might be one of those matchups. So fan of this call. My sleeper of the week is I actually have two at the linebacker position because I was setting my waivers in one of my leagues and I, you know, just happened to be doing a lot of research on some specific players that were available. And I realized something as I was doing that, which is uh, Anthony Barr and TJ Edwards, two players that I picked up and I'm actually pretty big fan of them moving forward for reasons that I will explain here in a second. So both players have recently seen increased snaps. Now, Barr had 100% his first game back from injury, had a bye, and then saw 100% of snaps again. Now, he is a little banged up again, but keep tabs on his injury status, and if he's in there for 100% of snaps, that'll be a nice thing to see. Now, for TJ Edwards, his former teammate, Eric Wilson, was released by the Eagles following his Week 8 healthy scratch. Edwards saw the most snaps out of any Eagles linebacker last week as well. Now, the Vikings, they play the Ravens. And according to my data, they have the second highest percentage of linebacker tackles per snap in the league at 21.5%, which is, again, higher than the 18.1% league average. Now, both players looked poised to see sustained or increased relevance going forward and are worth a stash at the very least. But if you're in a pinch and you need a start, they can also be your guy. I dig it. I dig it. Let's go ahead and talk about your DB sleeper this week, Joey. All right. He seems pretty deep, but he should have been on your radar a little bit after these past two weeks. Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson. Never heard the name before this year by any means myself. Uh, he's been a special teams player his first five seasons in the NFL. And uh, I think he has a career 70 tackles through five and a half seasons, and 27 of those tackles have come this year. Uh, over over the past two games, so two games ago, Tayshawn Gibson, had uh, he was banged up a bit, and Carson got the start. This past week, he didn't get the start, but Eddie Jackson... He went down after just playing 4% of snaps with a knee injury. So Carson over the past two weeks has seen a 98% snap share. In those two weeks, he's had 17 tackles and two passes defended. They play the Steelers, who are one of the top teams. They're a top 10 team giving up points to safeties. Um, I mean, Carson's role is pretty much locked in as a hunt, uh, close to every down safety. 
And we all know in the game of IDP, sometimes the best ability is availability. And if you're going to be on the, on the field for every single defensive snap, there's a good chance you're going to make at least a decent production. And he has played well in his limited time with the Bears. So I think it, if Jackson misses an extended period of time, it could be his his role for the rest of the season. And honestly, he's played better than Tayshawn Gibson. So I, I see Houston Carson staying on the field for pretty much the rest of the season. So he's not only my sleeper this week, but he's actually a guy you should also go pick up. I love this. And Joey, you know what I like about our sleeper calls is they're at varying depths. We're not fishing the same waters, if you will. Your guys are obviously way deeper than mine, so we can kind of cover a wider range of of listener needs depending on the depth of your league. If you're in a much deeper league, my guys are not going to be available for you. But if you're in a shallower league, maybe Joey's guys may be a little too deep for you. So it really (laughs) depends. And obviously you can play on a week by week basis and you know, whichever league you're in, depending on what your needs are. But I, I kind of like that. We're not, we're not pulling from the same group of players here. And given that my uh, sleeper pick of the week is Marcus Williams. And he is the deep safety for the saints. Now he does see the vast majority of his deep snaps. And like I said earlier, generally speaking, that's not who we want. We want the guy that plays closer to the line of scrimmage. Now, because he sees a lot of deeper snaps, he's inconsistent. And he had a great week last week, so he definitely has it in his arsenal to be IDP relevant. But here's why I think he'll be IDP relevant this specific week. Now, first of all, the Falcons are one of the strongest, if not the strongest, matchups for safeties and fantasy points allowed to the position. The Falcons also have a top 10 passer rate in the league over the course of the season. And it's a little bit higher in away games, and they are away this week. Now, the DraftKings Sportsbook has the Saints favored by 6.5 points, which implies that the Falcons should be in a negative game script. And when a team is in negative game script, they tend to pass the ball at a higher rate than usual. So, if they pass the ball at a high rate already, a higher rate in away games, and an even higher rate when trailing, that seems to imply that this is going to spell opportunity for the Saints' safety. Yeah, I can easily see that. Let's go ahead. Yes, absolutely. Let's go ahead and jump into our top position groups overall. There aren't specific players here that we're calling out. It's more so that just the collection of guys as a whole that we're a fan of. And let's go ahead and first start off with the defensive line. All right, I went with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers here, and... I think you pretty much covered most of it earlier <laughs> when you were talking about Highsmith. I mean, the Bears have given up a league most 30 sacks so far this season. Uh, the pressure rate of the Pittsburgh Steelers is phenomenal. TJ Watt is an absolute stud. Highsmith, I'm high on mm-hmm. myself just as much as you are. Plus, he has a fantastic uh, tackle floor. And with Justin Fields rushing, it just boosts that defensive line tackle floor. Cameron Hayward's playing well, even though he's, what, 32 years old, he's still playing great. So that defensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers is still one of the best in the league, and they play one of the worst offensive lines this week. Mm-hmm. Hayward's got that old man strength. He does. <laughs> uh-huh. I also think he, he... 
was it the second highest like PFF grade for defensive line in the yeah. league so far this season? Man, it's so good. For my defensive line pick, I have the LA Rams picked out here. Now, the reason why is because the Titans have the lowest pass block advantage in the league this week at negative 63%. Now, the Rams are adding Von Miller, and that should increase their pressures overall. Uh, I, I am praying for Ryan Tannehill. Not really, because I want fantasy points. But poor guy. <laughs> the Titans are also going to be without Derrick Henry, and so their offense in general should not be as effective, but especially not be as effective running the football. As amazing as Adrian Peterson has been, Adrian Peterson is not Derrick Henry, and that is your news for the week. The less effective run game also means more passes and more time in the pocket for Ryan Tannehill. He's not going to be able to hand the ball off as effectively as he has previously, and his play-action game probably won't be as effective as it has been previously because they won't need to respect a running back as much as they have in the past. So because I expect more passes and more time in the pocket for Ryan Tannehill, that should imply that they have more opportunities to convert that pressure rate to sack. So if they already have a good advantage on the offensive line to defensive line, we should see more pressures, and a higher percent of those pressures turn into sacks. That would imply lots of fantasy points for those players on the defensive line of the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, that defensive line, adding Von Miller. I mean, Leonard Floyd's been great. Then you have Aaron Donald. You add Von Miller, and it's just not fair, really. <laughs> I mean, you have pressure. They coming turned off salary everywhere. cap mode. Yeah, seriously. There's just pressure all over Crazy. that line. And and now it leads to like Aaron Donald is constantly doubled. Can't you can't really do that anymore? So I think if anything, the addition of Von Miller almost makes Aaron Donald even more, more uh, impressive. And he's going to have a fantastic end of the season. Absolutely, he's not even going to need that invisibility suit. He'll be fine just in his regular <laughs> uniform. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the linebacker position. Go ahead and tell me about who you are loving for linebackers this week. Uh, I am a big fan of the Atlanta Falcons linebackers. Uh, I think they actually have a great duo with Deion Jones and uh, Foyasade Oluokun. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> uh, Deion Jones. I think we all know who you're talking about, so it's good yes. enough. Um, Deion Jones is elite. I think he's a top five linebacker in the league. Oluokun, he's a, he's a top tier linebacker too. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, they're most likely going to be down to the Saints. The Saints are a very good team, even without Jameis Winston, even with Tremor Simeon at the helm. Uh, and what Deion Jones and Oluokun are going to have to do is neutralize that running game of Alvin Kamara and Melvin Ingram. Or not Melvin Ingram, I'm sorry, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram got traded to the Saints, and he kind of just fell right back into his old role, and he looked good. He looked, he, He's not a lead back by any means, but he fits that role perfectly with New Orleans. So I, I could see an incredibly heavy run game script for the Saints this week, which could open up for some serious tackle opportunity for that Falcons linebacker group. Mm-hmm. I love it. And my Saints fan friends would be upset if I didn't bring up the hype that they have for the boom and zoom duo returning. The opportunity to get the tackles there and shut down that run game is very obvious. And I think... uh Fantasy managers haven't 
decided that these linebackers are worthwhile starting this week, man, they need to make that decision right now. Another group of linebackers I'm excited about this week is the Chicago Bears. Now, obviously, we have our big, our main guy who's a big fan, but in general, the data really suggests that this is a good matchup. And the reason why is because they have the seventh highest percentage of linebacker tap uh, linebacker tackles per snap in the NFL. So 19.6% is what they are allowing. And the league average is, like I said earlier, 18%. They also have the eighth highest percentage of linebacker tackles per total tackle in the NFL. And that is a 30.2% above league average, which is 27.3%. And the reason I didn't have some of the higher ranked teams is because the linebacker groups on those teams are pretty garbage. So you're welcome for not telling you to start, you know, some garbage linebacker this week just because it's a good matchup. This is a combination of good players and good data. And speaking of good data, they play the Steelers. So I'm sorry. The, that percentage there is for the Bears. This percentage is that I'm about to share is for the offense they're facing. And the Steelers, who are they're facing, has allowed the third highest tackles per snap in the entire NFL at 21% with a league average of 18%. And the Steelers offense has allowed the highest percentage of linebacker tackles per total tackle in the entire league of 31.7%. And again, the league average is 27%. So just to recap, because I said a lot of numbers, the Bears defense has a lot of tackles. In fact, the seventh and eighth, eighth highest for those tackles going to linebackers per snap and per tackle. And they play the Steelers, who have the third highest percent in the league per snap tackle rate and the highest percent in the league tackle per tackle rate. And those numbers are great and all, but I trust what they say because in this specific matchup, both the Bears' defense and the Steelers as an opponent both have an average percentage of tackles per snap with a coefficient of variation at or below the average rate for each respective stat. So lots of numbers, but I trust those numbers because of how consistent they've been over the course of the season. I like it. Our our final position groups we're going to talk about here are the defensive back groups. And Joey, why don't you start us off here with your pick? All right, I'm going uh, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they have Jordan Porter, who is a top three defensive back in the NFL, I, I feel. Uh, Micah Hyde's incredibly underrated. I mean, he's actually having a very good season this year. He's he's one of the better free safeties in the league. Uh, Teron Johnson is another underrated cornerback. He's He falls not quite in the Kenny Moore range. I would say, like, he's a poor man's Kenny Moore. He's a fantastic slot receiver that actually sees a good percentage of snap share. And uh, he, he's a 100-tackle guy last season. So, I mean, Teron Johnson just incredibly underrated um they should be up big on jacksonville i mean they're gonna i honestly think the bills are gonna absolutely destroy jacksonville which is gonna force the jaguars into a pass heavy game script which also leads me to trevor lawrence hasn't been the most efficient quarterback he's been slightly erratic with the ball and uh i I could see the buffalo bills forcing many turnovers this week and in the art of interception so i'm gonna go with the buffalo bills I like it. That's a that's a great call. That defense as a whole has been incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, who 
probably a couple people I would, I would assume, but I mean, at the beginning of the season, who would have thought that the Buffalo Bills defense was as dominant as it has been? I wonder if that's simply because of how incredibly talented they are, or if it's just been some of the other defenses we thought would be really good have let us down a little bit, probably a little bit of both. I would assume. Yeah, I could see that. My DB call this week. Sorry, say that one more time. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say the Buffalo Bills defense, it's actually incredibly impressive. It's just their biggest issue has always been their pass rush. They've always been incredibly old in their pass rush. And this past year, they've they put some good draft capital into their pass rush with Boogie Basham and uh, Gregory Russo. So I think once those two age a little bit and they get, get their feet under them a little, I think next year the defense, as good as the defense has been this year, next year it'll be even better. The thought of that scares me quite a bit, but it makes perfect sense. My DB call this week, I have the Dallas Cowboys defensive back group. And the reason why is because the DraftKings Sportsbook has the Cowboys favored by 10. Now, that's the second highest in the rate. The Bills are the highest, so good call there. But the the rate that they're favored by 10 points implies that the Broncos are going to be a negative game script. Now, I talked about this earlier, but when a team is a negative game script, when they're losing, they tend to throw the ball at a higher rate than usual. Now, that boosts their already top 12 pass rate even higher. And so far this season, the Broncos have been a top five matchup for safeties and an above average matchup for cornerbacks. So given all this, I'd expect there to be a lot of opportunities for this Cowboy secondary to produce for IDP. Yeah, I could easily see that easily. Mm-hmm. So we we covered a lot of players. If you need to uh, recap any of this, feel free to just, you know, rewind the episode. Or, Joey, why don't you go ahead and plug your article where uh, where they can read more about this? Yep. Uh, you can go to, first off, you can subscribe to the IDP Show newsletter. I do a weekly sleeper article for them. And I actually do a sleeper article for IDPGuys.org that comes out every Saturday. Um, also I want to plug that at idpguys.org for the remainder of the season, we have a full site subscription access to all tools for just nine 99 for the remainder of the season. So any tool we have, which is a lot of tools, I mean, all the way from trade calculators to projections, to rankings, uh, Slack channel, um, you name it. We pretty much have it covered. $9.99 the rest of the season. It gives you a nice trial if you want to keep going on for the next few years. I love it. Anybody who is intentional and serious about their own success in fantasy football really should be absorbing as much content as they can and learning as much as they can. You are not the smartest person in the world, dear listener, and you can learn more things, oh, dear listener. So do your best, you know, find ways to learn more information. And I think that Joey is a great resource for our listeners here to learn some more. Um, I personally have uh, the next episode, episode 11 of the Big Game Theory podcast coming out on Sunday. I'm going to be talking about the value of draft picks. So make sure you check that out. But until then, is there anything else we want to plug before we get out of here, Joey? Nothing I can think of. I think I'm good. I'm I'm ready for this week nine to, to kick off. I mean, there's a little bit of injuries midweek and COVID placement that's kind of got me bugged, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Absolutely, man. This the COVID thing already was crazy, and that Aaron Rodgers interview 
earlier today was also insane. So we're not going to talk about that. Don't worry. That is not the time and the place. But in the meantime, you can follow me, Evan, on Twitter at BGT Evan. And you can find Joey, a much better follow, on Twitter at Joey the Tooth IDP. Give yourself We are credit, glad bud. you guys joined us for this episode today. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. But in the meantime, peace out. Adipiso, 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 yeah.